You're listening to the Brooks Weekly Podcast. My name is Jason Hug, and my guest today is Brandon Moyer. Tell me a little bit about yourself uh, for people who don't already know who Brandon Moyer is. Uh, by the way, we are recording this inside the Shillington Farmer's Market, where Brandon has a nice little stand for Uncle B's Honey. Yes. Which is his new venture uh, since COVID. Uh, yep. But it's expanded. So, uh, tell, well, first, like I said, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, graduate of Mifflin, uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. After that, um, wanted to build roller coasters and theme park rides. Went down to uh, the Walt Disney World Company. Uh, worked with them for a few years in their college program. Okay. And came back cleaning toilets. Uh, ah. Completely <laughs> two different uh, realms uh, in, the, in the industry. And um, I will tell you... Being a janitor for the Walt Disney World Company, I've got to meet people that many people will never meet. And it was a blast. The experience was a blast. Um, I wouldn't trade it in for anything else. Um, The reason why I left, they didn't pay as much. Mm -hmm. So I moved back uh, in 2014 um, with what I knew as far as the cleaning and started my own uh, cleaning company, uh, Home Care Solution. Okay. Um, and we've been in business from that experience. From that experience, yeah. yeah. And we've been in business. It'll be nine years this year. Oh wow! Um, but uh, COVID happened, you yes. know, as we all know, <laughs> and uh, we were shut down, ordered sh- to shut down, and it was only supposed to be for two weeks, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. I lived through it all too. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, four months later, yeah. you know, so. Uh, you know, after a few weeks, uh, I wanted to go into the pandemic learning something new. Mm-hmm. And I was exposed to beekeeping a year before, uh, and I loved it. Okay. Um, got stung a few times in the hands, but it was sort of I guess lo- love at first sting, <laughs> you know. So I started with that, started with one hive, um, absolutely just rocked it. I, I went on YouTube, went online, read books. The typical thing you do when you get into beekeeping, okay. you want to fill your sort of your head with all this information the first year before you even start buying bees, because hmm. uh, bees are livestock; they're considered livestock. Oh, okay. So you need to view them as that, uh, and not just an insect that. Well, if you happen to kill them, you can always buy more. Right. That may be the truth, but that's still livestock, and mm-hmm. it's a whole colony of genetics that you know you could wipe out. Oh wow! Just yeah. by not knowing certain things. You built a, a lot in your backyard, so tell yes. me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we acquired a, a property in Kenhurst. It was a junkyard um, for about 30, 40 years. Um, bought it for $1,000. Okay. Uh, and it almost seems like every company that I start, I start with $1,000. My cleaning company, all I had was $1,000 to my name. Mm. The back apiary was only $1,000. So mm-hmm. it's there's sort of a $1,000 tone here for starting businesses. And um, got it for a thousand. Cleaned it up for about six, seven months. It took hmm. to get everything out. We uh, we removed about fifteen thousand pounds of trash and debris back oh, there. Wow. Yeah, uh, three cars were back there hidden. Okay. Yeah, it was it was it was just a mess. Um, and when we finally got everything out, and you know, I got into beekeeping. I'm thinking, man, this is the perfect spot mm-hmm. to, to create an apiary. Um, so currently we have 15 hives back there, uh, which they will all be moved soon down to uh, downtown Reading uh, okay. on top of the Doubletree. Oh, okay, nice. Um, so the Doubletree will have approximately 20 to 25 beehives oh, wow. on top of the rooftop, along with a 60-foot uh, 
fence mural that Juan, our artist here, uh, painted, mm -hmm. the life cycle of a honeybee. Okay. So guests will be able to come out onto the rooftop and be greeted by this long 60-foot um, fence. Wow. A teachable moment as they're walking towards mm -hmm. the beehive area. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, what do bees do in the community and how do they affect um, everyday life? Sure. So bees in general, not just honeybees, mm -hmm. are so important to our very existence. Um, They'll pollinate up to 75% of what you see in the grocery stores mm. in the produce section and such. So uh, it's very important that they have a place to um, feed. And what we're doing as a species is we're getting too much into monoculturing, which is one primary plant like uh, corn, okay. um, taking over acres and acres. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that seems great for us as a species because uh, we use corn in a lot of things, not mm -hmm. just food source. Um, however, bees have to fly longer distances to find food. And when that happens, they get exhausted quicker, okay. and then their colony starts to collapse quickly. Um, bees will fly up to six miles uh, one way to find food hmm. and then fly right back. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, one hive in a one-year period has the capability of pollinating 500 million flowers. Oh, wow. And so the Uncle Bee's Honey Company is proud that we uh, pollinate up to 15 billion flowers in Berks County alone oh, wow. with our hives. Uh, and the majority of that will be downtown Reading, mm -hmm. uh, which is, we're super excited about that. Um, you know, there's the three different types of honeybees. Mm -hmm. we got the queen bee, we've got the worker bee, and we've got the drone bee. Um, the queen, she'll live between three to five years, mm -hmm. um, as she does. Uh, she'll only need to mate once, uh, and she'll have enough um, genetic material to mm -hmm. last her her entire lifetime. Oh, wow. Um, the worker bees, they'll live four to seven weeks. Um, and the worker bees are very unique. Uh, they're all female. Okay. And they will do up to eight different jobs inside the hive, from an undertaker, to a nurse, to mm -hmm. the guard bee, and to the last stage of her life, which is a forager, uh, which is the last two weeks of their life. Mm. So when you see a honeybee outside at a flower, just know her time is very, very limited. Yeah, right. um, she has maybe two weeks left, um, and she'll only collect one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in her entire lifetime. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's why it's so imperative that the honeybee colonies, their population grow really quickly mm -hmm. um, because the more that they have, the more honey that they can produce, mm -hmm. which is a food source for them alone. Right, um, right. And a good beekeeper will only take about 50% for the beekeeper and leave the rest um, for the hive themselves. Okay. Um, and then you have the drones. The drones are just like husbands. They're the, <laughs> they're the only male bees. They're sort of useless in the sense of they don't provide anything for the hive mm -hmm. um, except for they'll, they'll take, they'll, they'll eat, and then they'll kind of get in the way. Um, they'll, their only main role is to reproduce with the queens okay. uh, in a drone congregation area, a couple hundred yards from hives. Hmm. So, uh, and then in the fall, all the worker bees, all the wives, I call them, they mm -hmm. kick them out. You're going to start finding the drones just wandering around aimlessly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so because they need to reserve their food mm -hmm. for an actual colony that's going to forward uh, their species during the winter time. Right. And drones are just not part of that plan. Right. Um, so it's very interesting species. Um, and again, that 
the honeybees are just not the only ones that matter. You got your solitary bees, like your mason bees, mm -hmm. uh, where you see the bee boxes with the with the tubes inside. Yes. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. So those are mainly for solitary bees, such as the mason bee. Mm -hmm. um, they're very important as well. Um, believe it or not, honeybees are not the the most efficient pollinator, even though they can outnumber uh, solitary bees, mm -hmm. like the leafcutter bee, um, is much more. Uh, uh, appropriate in their in their sense of pollinating more apples than mm -hmm. a, uh, an actual uh, honeybee hmm. can. So the bumblebee per se. Yeah. Uh, bumblebees are used actually in greenhouses because there's certain plants that require certain vibration, and a honeybee oh, wow. cannot match that frequency. Like your watermelons, mm -hmm. um, your pumpkins, squash plants. The bigger the flower, the bigger the bee requires for that sort of pollination. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. So, yep. Hmm. They're, uh, they're remarkable uh, little insects. Um, mm -hmm. They're needed insects. Um, the main cause of a lot of uh, Save the Bee campaigns and stuff are, you know, with the chemicals that we're using. Mm -hmm. um, that is the neonicotides that we're spreading across the farmlands and, and such, even on, on the seeds themselves. Mm -hmm. That is the big, big issue. Um, and, of course, habitat destruction. As our population increases, mm -hmm. more housing needs to be developed. So we're literally pushing everything outwards. Um, and we're going to get to a point where... Um, there's regions in China where their plants are hand pollinated with paintbrushes oh, wow. with their locals. So that's a sort of future that we will, not if, but we will get mm -hmm. to if things uh, continue on hmm. on this sort of direction. So not only are you a, a beekeeper, but you also wrote a book to be an educator. Yes. <laughs> and to get this out. Tell yes. me about... Uh, well, why why write a book? Why why put that together for kids? Because it's a kids' book, right? Yes. Okay. So the adventures of Uncle B and Ruby catching a swarm, <laughs> um, and I chose my dog Ruby. Um, she's a cute little dachshund, long-haired dachshund. Mm -hmm. She gets into everything. She uh, she's an adventurer. Hmm. And I said, you know what? What other way besides putting on a bee suit can I help educate people from even far distances? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always wanted to write a book. Um, either an adult book, kid's book, teenager book, whatever. So I t decided to start with a child's book, um, and I had so much fun with it. The, the education that I have is something that when they open it, it's not just your typical children's book telling mm -hmm. a story, but it engages them on to pick, okay, what, be or what suit should we wear to go catch a swarm? What tool do we need to go catch and right. help with this? So it engages the the reader. Um, and I know over the Christmas break, I've gotten so many text messages and private messages of pictures of their kid with their dog reading <laughs> the book. And it was it, it was really neat to, to know that there was an impact on someone's life like that. Oh, wow. Um, and that there was so much love for bees mm -hmm. um, and even a dog just having an adventure. So <laughs> I have four more books that are, be, that are coming out hopefully this year. Um, we got at least two coming out this year for sure. Okay. Um, and I'm super excited about that. It's something that is going to really blow up for our uh, business. Mm -hmm. We want to definitely invest a lot into the education part mm. um, and reaching as many kids as we can even with the uh, digital products that we're eventually going to be coming out with oh, okay. on our platform, having some sort of like kid zone 
um, on our website that they can log in and start learning yeah. about bees without ever having to step foot in a hive. Yeah, that um, sounds great. Safely, you know. So, yeah, we're pretty excited for that, and uh, it's going to be a very busy, busy year coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me, because uh, like I said, we're uh, at the beginning of the episode here. We're standing uh, in the uh, Shillington Farmer's Market, and uh, Brandon is currently redesigning his uh, stand here. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, what you're incorporating, uh, the things, you, the products you sell. Yeah, so we, as our brand, uh, we want to educate uh, and definitely promote healthy alternatives mm -hmm. and uh, honey is obviously the best alternative to sugar. Um, so we want to make sure that when you come into an Uncle B's retail spot, um, you're going to experience uh, an educational piece on the honey, mm -hmm. some interactive piece, and especially if you have little ones that come with you, they'll be able to touch some light up honeycombs that react to their touch oh, and okay. voice. So we're super excited about that. Um, and along with that, tasting the honey from mm. around the world as well. There's over 300 different uh, honey profiles that exist. Mm. Um, some that are super, super sweet, all the way to the ones that are so very earthy mm -hmm. that you know people may not like, but hey, we still want to offer it to, to people because it may be good in tea. Right. You know? right. Um, and there's some honeys that are hypnotic, believe it or not. <laughs> so like the Himalayan honey, okay. uh, the type of honeybee that produces uh, the sort of uh, Toxic, the toxins inside their, their gut mm -hmm. give us uh, a very hypnotic feeling, high feeling. Um, so that's sort of unique. Um, yeah. And the Manuka honey, everyone knows Manuka uh, from New Zealand. It's the only type of honey that is, is produced in New Zealand because New Zealand is the only uh, country in the world that mm -hmm. has that sort of bush. So that's very unique and it's the medicinal properties on that is out of this world, literally. Mm -hmm. um, so we want people to experience different types of honey. In fact, we're even, we built a bar behind you and oh. people are gonna be able to order food, sit down at the bar and enjoy our barbecue sauces and our hot sauces that we have produced. Oh, okay. Uh, and sample that stuff. Uh, and if they like it, they can come walking right in and purchase that. Wow. Yeah. So, and we even have a fill your own jar station here. Yeah, I was going to ask what this uh, this big drum here is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll have a honey of the month. Okay. And uh, they'll be able to pick a jar, fill it up, and then the kids will be able to experience what that is, you know, the, uh, of the, just the honey just dripping out of the, the yeah, container. Yeah. Um, they could do slow, fast, wh whatever they want to do with it. A little different uh, than going to the grocery store and just buying the bear. Exactly. <laughs> and we're all about experience right. here at the Uncle Bee's Honey Company. And that's what we want to really um, allow our folks to enjoy, uh, experience. And uh, we even got our honey vault over here, you know, busting out with, with honey, as you can see. <laughs> uh, so we're pretty, we're super excited about this. Um, opening up and uh, we got a, what about a week left mm -hmm. so we opened February 23rd okay at the Shillington farmers market because you didn't know anything about bees or any of this before correct? right right yeah um, I was a newbie yeah so what kind of experiences did you go through that kind of went okay I have to learn this better I have to do this better so with any business um, I encourage people to make mistakes and okay. a lot of them um, success is built on a mountain of failures and and lessons. Mm -hmm. um, that's the summit that we all see. Um, so I started out with a tiny stand in the alleyway at our, in our apiary in Kenhurst. Oh, okay. Um, I would obviously 
get the honey, put them in the jars, and put them out there. And it was an honesty stand, Right, yeah, you put in the money and... I couldn't keep up with the demand there. Okay. Um, and I knew it was on to something. And luckily, people were completely honest. I don't think I had anyone steal anything and not <laughs> leave the money. So I said, okay, well, what else can I do here? I mean, I have, I have something. I didn't have a brand. I didn't have a, a... I had a name. Just the Uncle Bee's Bees, I think it was called. Yeah, because it's just a hobby. At that yeah, point, it's just right? a hobby. Um, and... With me, hobbies aren't just hobbies, mm-hmm. um, especially when I can see the potential. So I built a, a stand on wheels, which is actually right b- behind me. Um, and then I said, let me try doing some festivals and such things like okay. that and getting out to the public more. And we did a couple. We did the West Reading, um, God, the, what's the big one? The West Reading Festival. Uh, Fall Fest. Avenue or Fall Fest? Is yeah. it Fall Fest? Yeah. Um, well, we practically sold out of all of our inventory there. Okay. Um, and it was a long eight-hour day, but I... It, Those are long days, yes. yes. And I wasn't prepared for that. Well, I didn't yeah, know what to, to expect. Yeah, I've done several of them. <laughs> <laughs> and the weather apparently turned out to be fantastic. Oh, that's it good. wasn't scheduled to be, but... Most of them are, yeah. so... <laughs> well, the lack of water that I drank that day got yes, to me. Yes, yeah, so it's, make it's a very sure, like, day. When you, when you do things outside, make sure you have a lot of water. Um, but... I identified a few things, such as where people look when they walk by, um, mm-hmm. in in terms of the stand. So I knew this the stand offered some sort of point of view as to what the customer is looking for, and I was able to visually read that, um, and then I would take notes. So maybe this counter needs to be up higher. Maybe mm-hmm. product needs to be brighter. Uh, the label needs to be this way or that way. You start to take these little cues, and these little cues start adding up to uh, a lot of key performance indicators, mm-hmm. we call in the business, t- things to measure, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so I brought that same stand on wheels to the Shillington Farmer's Market, and I said, let me try this. It's, a, it's inside, it's stationary, I don't got to worry about the weather. Right. Um, so I did that in August of last year, and <laughs> we kept selling out. And then I started working on the labeling of what it looks like, and then the brand. Mm-hmm. I sort of did things backwards a little bit. Um, and I realized that people, it's not just the honey that they're buying, but it's the story behind it. Right. Um, and I have our story on our label. I have the pandemic success of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like that. Um, and then I finally, a space opened up, an opportunity that we're here. I moved the stand over, I built a couple other things, small things, and I still was picking up, okay, this stand should really be this high, we should maybe lower it over here. I would move things around. In fact, people were thinking I was crazy moving so many things so many different times. But what I was realizing is I'm learning a pattern of our customers and what they want. And then I realized in December, it's like, you know what, January and February are pretty slow. Usually, mm-hmm. let me take the time, put everything in that I've learned, mm-hmm. and redesign the whole thing. And I didn't want to just make a typical farmer's market stand, as some would call it, yes. where it's just a counter like a on the alley, or, yeah. in the aisle that people go by, and, mm-hmm. and that's it. They buy and they leave. It's very unique looking so far. It's not done yet, I know. but <laughs> no, It's not done, but it, I will tell you, it, seeing it yes. is completely like no other stand. I wanted a retail space inside a farmer's market and completely just redo the whole experience in that, add an experience. Mm-hmm. 
and we want people to walk into our footprint now rather than just coast on the edge. Right. Um, and that is sort of the things that we've learned uh, in the six, seven months of doing this, of where people's eyes are. What do they look for? Um, what foods can we adopt or cross-pollinate with, as right. I call it, yeah. with other stand members? Right. And how can we uh, use our sauces to go along with those foods? Right. So there was a different combination of, of mistakes that I had to make uh, and, th and things, lessons to learn through, through the way uh, just to get to this point. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't have gotten to this point without doing that stuff. So I really encourage people to start small at first okay. on your craft, make the mistakes, make them turn into lessons, mm -hmm. and then just keep going forward no matter how hard they are. Just learn just, from just them. Just learn from them and yeah. make sure, and I stress this a lot to people who I, who I talk to and mentor with, have a journal. Okay. Write it down because you cannot keep it up in your head. Your head, you have so much going on in your head that you're going to forget it. Right. Um, and it's not really a good notepad, you know. <laughs> so write things down, study them, and always, always, always know the why behind it. Mm -hmm. If you know the why behind it, the how to then follows. Hmm. So it's very important for that. That's very insightful. Yeah. Well, what can I say? <laughs> So knowing what you know now, what are some uh, common misconceptions people have about bees or the honey business? So nine times out of 10, when someone says, I got stung by a bee, you know, I don't like them. Again, nine times out of 10, they most likely got stung by a yellow jacket. Uh, people, okay. people put wasps in the same categories as bees. Yeah, they're not. And they're not. Um, interesting fact though, bees evolved from wasps. Hmm. over 150 million years ago. Interesting. In fact, one of my kids' books are going to be touching base on that uh, sort of topic, Okay. Uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, but that is probably the most common thing. And then there puts fear in the culture. Of course. So I can go up to bees and pet them on their back, and they'll squiggle their butt like I'm itching their back. It is the most... <laughs> adorable thing to do the regular person that would but not be something you'd want correct. to do right until you truly know the bee um you're always going to have that fear and you know the bee i know the bee <laughs> sorry <that's... laughs> uncle b knows the bee <laughs> so and and here's what's odd too um bees honeybees uh specifically too they they emit a a, a certain frequency a vibration that when you are around them and you can match that vibration and frequency with your sort of energy, mm -hmm. it becomes therapeutic. Interesting. And I noticed that when running a business, especially during COVID, how mm -hmm. stressful it was. And when my stress would melt away was when I'm inside of a beehive. Oh, okay. So I'm surrounded by 30 to 40,000 stinging insects mm -hmm. that most people would see as stinging insects. <laughs> yes. I'm surrounded by so much of this therapeutic energy and it was it's just it's just simply amazing and it melts everything away hmm. nothing else matters but them which wow. is why they call it the husbandry of the hive you know when you're inside it is your job to mm -hmm. maintain the health of the colony and you have that sort of responsibility and it weighs over you hmm. um, and everything else melts away so what does the future look like for uncle bees bees so it's experience for us and education um, we would like to test this spot out as our beta flagship spot. Okay. Um, and eventually, three to five years down the road, 
uh, possibly go into a, a bigger retail location oh, okay. uh, where we can have full control of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the tours that we do uh, on our apiaries, those are very important. Um, people actually put on the bee suits and go into the beehives oh, okay. with us. So uh, that's something that people can sort of get their fear uh, mm-hmm. extinguished. And something different. And it's very something different. Um, we want to create programs where we can work with the underprivileged, have them an opportunity to adopt a hive in their neighborhood. Okay. And it's like, that's their hive. So mm-hmm. almost like an ambassador program, a yeah, bee yeah, ambassador yeah. program, where they get to control their hive. No one's going to mess with it because that's ours. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make sure. And that, because they're bees. And, oh, <laughs> and they're bees. You know, there's stinging insects, you know. Um, so we want to inspire our youth. It's just the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, inspiring them because they are the generation that will obviously lead after us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously generations after that. We want to make sure that the messaging is clear. Um, that bees need to stay. Right. Um, and not just honeybees, all native bees as well. Um, and so our experience in education, we really want to um, expand on those properties. Okay. And obviously the taste of honey. Um, we want to create programs where the Uncle Bee's program can work with other companies in possibly donating honey to your local food bank and charity, mm-hmm. donating honey to your school systems. You know, we've got to get honey there. Um, honey's really good for you. What can I say? Do you I mean, work with any of the schools so far? Uh, we will programs? be. We will okay. be. Yep. Yeah, right now we are looking at um, some local schools at the moment. We do work with Avernia University okay. right now. Um, they have a couple beehives on top of their rooftop, okay. four beehives sure. uh, that we manage as well. Um, and they're going to be selling honey out of their opaque market, oh, the okay. general store, I should right. say. Um, so they're pretty super excited about that. But there's no um, students involved necessarily with that? Or oh, there, there? Yeah, there will be. Okay. Yep. okay. Yeah, because we want to sort of... Uh, have a program there that the students can learn beekeeping. Oh, okay, uh, sure. Possibly for some college credit courses. Right. There. Okay. Uh, and then they get to maintain their own rooftop. Right. You know, I have a greater vision for Alverni's rooftop of what it could look like because uh-huh. it's fifty thousand uh, square feet of just rooftop. Yeah, just rubber. Uh, I mean, all I can I've been see. Up there, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With the, exactly. Yeah, uh, the four hundred one Penn Street. Yes. Building. Yep. yep. I could see possibly maybe Redding's first. Um, or even the region's first rooftop orchard up oh, top. Oh, okay. That would be phenomenal. I mean, the roof can hold another two stories, which is what it was designed for. Mm-hmm. So an, an orchard up there is no problem. That's ambitious, but it, it sounds nice, Yes, it sounds but nice, it, would be, it would set the bar pretty high. Yeah. I think that would do justice to the local pollinators, but even to well, the local the community, community. In general, yeah. You I know, mean, having them sell that to the local community right at at their general store mm-hmm. or a farmer's market right below. Um, the power of the bee is... is the power of the bee. It is just it beyond everything that we can <laughs> comprehend. It's I'm full of these bee puns. Believe me. <laughs> well, it's the soundbite ones. That's the one that... <laughs> the power of the bee. The power of the bee. Yep. So, you know, you want to be the change in the world. Okay, enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> and cut. So, uh, so how can people reach out to you? How can they get a hold of you? So, um, on our website, um, they can reach out or uh, go on www.unclebeesbees.com. Uh, okay. Um, Spelled how it sounds. Yep. Okay. 
And then uh, Facebook, uh, okay. Messenger, they can contact us. Um, info at Uncle B's, um, or info at Uncle B's Honey Company dot com. So that is different. There's okay. two. Everything leads to the okay. same. Well, just, yeah. Info um, at Uncle B's, B's dot com. We have both. So it doesn't really matter whichever they want to prefer. And then uh, the Shillington Farmer's Market. And most importantly, the Shillington Farmer's Market. And that opens the new stands February next February 23rd. Okay. Yep. Grand reopening. Grand reopening. Yep. We're awesome. going to have plenty of honey in stock and <laughs> maybe some prizes to win and, and some, uh, just a good overall experience. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks, Brandon, for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks great, for having me. Great conversation. Appreciate thanks. it.